If you don't want to be the absolute best at what you do, you should do something else because you're stealing money. If you just want to be on the staff or on the team, that's what five-year-olds do when they sign up for soccer. They just want to stand out there and get the snow cone that everyone else gets. So I, I make no mistake about it. I want to be the absolute best at what I do. I'm only I'm limited in my resources. I'm limited in my networking, my reach. I don't want to manipulate people and I don't want to manipulate circumstances for my game. But I want to be the absolute best at what I do. In business, you want to consistently attract incredible people, grow at an accelerated rate, and create a unique competitive advantage. The goal, it isn't to just be the best, but is to be the favorite, the favorite in the eyes, the mind, and the heart of your customer. To stay competitive in today's world, you want to build a business where people want to come to work and where they have a chance to be great at doing what they love the most. And you accomplish that by leading through values. Because when you lead through values, people excel, profits increase, and your brand becomes more human. Now make sure you download your free guide at leadthroughvalues.com. I'm James Mayhew, your Chief Culture Officer, and you're listening to Lead Through Values. Well, welcome back to the Lead Through Values podcast. I'm your host and your Chief Culture Officer, James Mayhew, and what a blessing I have for you guys today. I have a guest. And our guest is Jarrett Samuels. And Jarrett is a husband, a father of three, a pastor, a mentor, and creator of the Pursuit of Manliness community and podcast. His passion is to equip and challenge men to raise the standard of what it means to be a man of God. And in addition to this, guys, I just want you to know that I've known Jarrett now for several years. Uh, we attended the same church. Jarrett was the children's pastor pastor. And, uh, so we knew each other when we were at church, we could say, hi, you knew my name. I knew your name, but we didn't know each other well. And the craziest thing is, is like when you left Cedar Rapids to go be a pastor in Indianapolis, that's when our friendship blossomed. And is this to me, it's just kind of funny. It's like, God does some cool stuff like that where, Hey, I'm going to introduce the two of you, but, um, you're not going to know each other for a little bit. And what a, it's just been awesome. And you and I have had what I think are wonderful phone conversations. We even traveled over to, to, to visit you and, and Jenny, and that was fantastic. And here's the thing is we'd get off the phone, and I remember saying this to you pretty much every time to the point where it's like I kind of felt like maybe it sounded patronizing at times. But it's like when I get off the phone with you, like I feel better, like my cup is full, my cup's overflowing, and, and it's just one of those cool things. Like you just would, um, I think you bring out the best in people around you. So, man, it's Welcome. So happy you're here. Thanks, man. It's kind of that face for radio thing. You're better from a distance. You know, that's, that's, that's my thing. <laughs> face to face. You're like, nah, not so much, but no, I appreciate, I feel the same way about you, man. I think uh, I was, you know, I remember the first time I asked, uh, who is this guy, you know, to um, a guy on staff and we had been going to leadership lunches, like what, once a month for right. three years and had never crossed paths when, because we're too focused on our Panera sandwich and whatever else we were doing at the time. So, you know, God works in unique ways and we're thankful for that. So Jared, why don't you do a little bit more here? I would love for you to set the stage and then I, I, I'm going to bring it back together. Like why, why does this make sense for lead through values? And I think it's going to become very obvious very quickly, but I would love for you to talk uh, a little bit about how you got started in this and what is the pursuit of manliness and um, yeah. Tell us, tell us about that. Well, first of all, you know, yes. So I'll, I'll back up. I, I was a guy who, who was in ministry. I, I think I had done a pretty good job of building teams and building environments and casting vision. And, and, and that's just the wiring that God gave me because it didn't come naturally. And I knew that, that it was a gift set, but I also had this giant sea of apathy that I was swimming in. And it was just very mm -hmm. apathetic with the idea that it would just, you know, somehow magically all get better. And, uh, it, it, when it all changed was January, um, 13th, 14th, forgive me, 2013, when my, my son was born, he was born with a collapsed lung. He was in the NICU for a couple of weeks. There's a lot of stuff that goes on there. But when he was first brought in, you know, I prayed, God, if you help this little boy fight, I'll fight. And we've all prayed these kind of popcorn firework prayers. We're just throwing stuff off, you know? And, and even in the moment when I said, that, I thought that sounds ridiculous. You know, I'm five, eight, I'm not whooping nobody. I'm not, you know, and I, but internally it wasn't about size or stature. It was about, you know, I know inside there is no fight there. There was not, there was nothing I was really 
exerting an, an exuberant amount of effort for, I'd come home. I wasn't in no moral failure. And I thought I was married. I had a couple of kids, uh, two daughters. I knew I just wanted to protect them, but you know, it was really just, I was just existing. And I, I would say I was depressed, but I was depressing. I would have depressed myself if I tried to hang out with me. And so uh, in that moment, you know, where I prayed that, you know, eventually I just figured you know, this is many prayers. You fast forward a couple of years. It was as if God came sat next to me on the couch one day, I'm watching my son dunk a ball in a hoop. And he was like, I remember word for word that prayer. And it's not a long prayer. If you help this little boy fight off fight. And I thought, Oh, we're about to get real uncomfortable here. Mm, like I had a fear yeah. run through me, you know, that fight or flight thing that goes through you. And I thought, Oh, this ain't good. And uh, for the next 24 months or so, God just Rubik's cube my life. He brought people into my life. Like you're a good example of that he removed people from my life. Uh, there were certain resources. There were certain stirrings that happened in me um, that were fresh, that were new. And I would say to this every day, we get the option to get up. And I just say, fight one more round. If God woke you up today, you have the opportunity to do that. You can choose not to, you can choose to sit back and go through the motions or phone it in or whatever, or you can say, you know what, I'm going to maximize my effort. And that doesn't mean I die at the office. It actually means the, the, the opposite that I leverage my time, my resources, whatever at the office, wherever I park my car, where I park my car is not my calling. It's what I do for a living. Cause if I ever park my car somewhere else, my calling doesn't stop. My purpose, my calling is so much bigger than that. And so you're constantly refining that. And so for me, as a believer, I know I'm creating God's image. God created me. And in Genesis 127, he creates me. And then in Genesis 128, I think it is, he blesses me. And then 129 and on, he commands me. And sometimes we take the creating and commanding and go, oh, that's a lot. God blessed you because he knows you can do this. He, know you, he knows you can live this out. He's, your DNA, his DNA is all over you. Like it, anything that we put our stamp on, Jim, I'm looking at your hat. I'm looking at the, the content you put out. When you put your branding on, you go, that's mine. I'm proud of that. And where that goes, I go. That's what we are when God's DNA is all over us. So he creates us, he blesses us, he commands us. And so once that fire was lit, I said, oh, I got to keep this thing going. And the first thing I realized was I had to get around other people. And I couldn't find those people around me. I didn't know where they were at. So I started using, you know, Facebook. I started using all these things just to put stuff out and become one of many, you know, one mm -hmm. of many people having this message. And before long, like you and I say, you, you develop these relationships. God knows everybody. So you develop these relationships and man, it was just a stirring that here we are seven years later and we're still refining the fight every day. God woke me up today. I was just telling you before we got on there, I've gotten punched in the face a little bit. I had to go rope a dope on a couple of things, but you get the right people in your corner. They keep you in the fight and they keep you, they keep reminding you of why you got in to begin with. So, and there's so much opportunity ahead of us. And I, I know for 38 years, I phoned it in convincing myself I was doing okay, that it would just somehow magically get better. And I'm like, my life will not be for lack of effort. That's what I had to resolve. I, that is an incredible line. My life will not be for a lack of effort. That is, that's powerful. I'm so grateful that you get a chance to hear things like that. And so Jared, one of the things that I think our listeners right now are, are picking up on who haven't heard you before is that it's I, I, like, my job is to kind of wind you up and let you go. Right. Like, I just feel like you're, I got, I crank the wheel a little bit and, and man, you're off and running and, and I love the passion and I love the energy. And so that leads me to, um, I just want to ask you to explain a little bit, uh, about your slogan with the pursuit of manliness, which is to vigorously equip men to pursue biblical manliness. Why does that even matter? Like, talk to me about that. Well, let me unpack this because I have a, I'm married and I have two daughters. My wife and daughters are inferior to nobody. The problem oftentimes is we find that men have punted responsibility or whatever to our wife and sorry, my wife and children are going to now carry more responsibility because I just want to sit on the couch because I worked all day. And I had to learn just because I was the oldest male in the house doesn't mean that I was a leader in the house. It doesn't mean I was even exerting any influence in the house. It meant I was just taking up space. God can easily fix that problem. He can now you're gone. He can flick you away and go, well, we took care of the space problem. Now right. someone else can sit in that chair or whatever. So I had to realize, you know what? I need to get back in the word. And I was already in the word, but I was using it more as a textbook than really transformation. So I went back to Genesis and I started reading and highlighting, marking it up and seeing all the things that God was doing. And there's a lot of failures with these people in the Bible, but they remained faithful. Listen, there's nothing special about me at all. Um, I come from a blue collar background. I'm a river rat from Southeast Iowa. There's nothing 
anything, all I realized was once God lit that, kindled that fire, he takes care of it. He takes care of what you're going to do with that. And so then we have been given a privilege and responsibility to live that out. So we tell, we want to vigorously equip men. I just like the word vigor. I just thought it sounded good. I thought it sounded like, you know what? It's not something I do once a month. It's not something I do, you know, once a week. It's not just me slapping out, you know, some words on an image and going, you like that? Would you share that with your friends? No, it was like, I am going to continually relentlessly put stuff in front of you in different ways. And we're going to figure this out and we're going to surround ourselves with other men. So we're going to vigorously equip men. We had to give them tools in their toolbox. My first year that I was, uh, I was engaged to my wife. We're only engaged for one, one, like a short window. Cause we don't like long engagements. Cause we got, got things to do. <laughs> she gave me right. a set of craftsman tools and, and a toolbox and everyone around me was like, Oh, it's such a great gift. Well, I didn't know how to use any tools. I didn't know how to do anything with screwdrivers. I didn't know what a flathead was. I didn't know any of these things. And I'll never forget getting this incredible gift, but not knowing how to do anything with it. And so we want to equip men with these tools and say, this is what you do with it. And when you do these things with it, everybody in your life will be blessed because of it. So we're going to equip men to pursue mm. biblical manliness. Well, you go back to Genesis one and two, you're going to find five things that God gave to men and women. I'm just primarily talking to men. You're an image bearer. You're to work and keep what's been entrusted to you. You're to be fruitful and multiply. You're to have dominion over all the earth, over all the animals, whatever. And if you marry, you marry a woman. If you're a guy, if you're a woman, you marry a guy, you know, God, God unites them together. So those things were given before we ever sinned before sin was ever in the world. So we just keep we just keep going back to that. We teach guys to follow Jesus. We work and keep what's been entrusted to us. And last, invest in others to do the same. That's what leaders do. Leaders invest into other people. Hey everyone, this is James. And I wanna tell you about an upcoming virtual coaching program called Accelerate. It's for high achieving, success-minded people just like you who demand greatness of themselves and expect it of everyone around them. Accelerate will help you drastically improve communication in your business, reduce bottlenecks and busyness, help spark innovation and even creative thinking, and absolutely maximize team performance. Now, Accelerate is for business owners, executives, it's for up and coming leaders, anyone who is wanting to advance their leadership and to build their business capacity in 2021. The training starts in February and space is limited. Learn more at jamesmayhew.com. Now, back to the podcast. You know what? When you said the word vigorously a couple of times there, it made me think about a recipe. I remember <clears throat> reading in recipes, right? You stir vigorously, you know, or or let it boil till it becomes a vigorous boil. And I think there's a there's a really cool action that goes through my brain as I hear that of like stirring, you know, and and like it's we're coming up into into candy season with the Christmas time here. One of the things I love doing is making fudge on the stove right you got to stir that it gets hard to stir by the time you put all the ingredients in there but but man that's uh that's really cool jerry one of the you know the the things that i think is amazing about what happens to a family when a man knows who the, who what his place is right when he has god first right i remember learning this god first spouse second family third everything else falls behind that Man, I have had that so horked up in my life. I have got that wrong on multiple occasions. And I'm going to tell you right now, like as a pastor, I'm confessing to you right now. I still get that messed up from time to time. I still forget to put God first in a lot of the things that I do. And so um, uh, I'm just looking at something that I want to ask you about, which is how you honor God through work, because I think this is kind of a cool transition then to talk about what it means to lead through values. So when you talk about honoring God through work, you know, what are some of the things that come to mind? Um, and then I want to talk about humility after that. So don't go, don't go there too quick on me. Okay. Don't get humble too quick. You got it. Um, I think <laughs> the first thing I need to understand, and I say this a lot and this offends some people and I'm okay with it. If you don't want to be the absolute best at what you do, you should do something else because you're stealing money. If you just want to be on the staff or on the team, that's what five-year-olds do when they sign up for soccer. They just want to stand out there and get the snow cone that everyone else gets. So I, I make no mistake about it. I want to be the absolute best at what I do. I'm only I'm limited in my resources. I'm limited in my networking, my reach. I don't want to manipulate people, and I don't want to manipulate circumstances for my gain. 
but I want to be the absolute best at what I do. Now that means what I do at home. And that means what I do at church where I serve. So, and you're in the marketplace, wherever you're at, you should desire to want to be the absolute best. I understand that whatever I am, can I can only be that because God allows that to be. God can end this thing right now. He can end it tomorrow, whatever. So you say, okay, well, if, if the podcast or the, the ministry or whatever is done tomorrow, great. Now what? Like my purpose isn't over. God breathed life into my nostrils while I was sleeping last night and drooling on a pillow and sustained me somehow while I slept and kept comets from crashing into your house. And you realize all the things that he holds into order. Well, then what's the point of waking you up? Because he's not done with you. There's a purpose for that. And so I have to approach that. And then I realize my day, my week, my month, and my year, I have to map those things out. I have to be strategic about making sure I maximize that time. I am not going to die at the office. Oftentimes I have found my wife and children as the greatest obstacle to what I could accomplish if they just would leave me alone for a minute. They would just give me two more hours. I need to get this done. I need to, don't forget, we live in a fallen world. There, you'll never get it all done ever. That doesn't give you an excuse to be lazy, but you'll never get it all done. What I had to learn the hard way was my wife and my children are my greatest fans. They're for me and they're with me. They see things in me that I don't see in myself. And so they're trying to speak truth into me, but I'm not hearing it because I'm only looking for the applause at the office or from the congregation or from whatever. So to nullify that and make sure that I hold them in their right place, I also had to surround myself with good men. If you're a woman, you need good women, okay? Uh, so I need good men in my life who will build me up, but also call me out. And so it's a very circular thing where I'm honoring God with my work, my daily approach, whatever. I have, I have a tribe of men who are going to speak into my life. They're going to call me out. They're going to text me. Hey, you said you're going to do this. But also I'm healthier now with my wife and children that they get the husband they should get. That my kids get the dad they should have had for, for years. Um, and, and, and you know what? Sometimes you got to apologize for that stuff. As Christians, sure. we call that repenting. And I've had to do some of that and say, hey, I need you to forgive me. I really stunk it up in this area. I overheard my mother-in-law saying last night went to my wife, when I heard, I heard this just as it's funny we're talking about right now, when you and Jarrett first got married, I wasn't so sure. And I'm thinking, she loved me. What are you talking about? No, she, she wasn't so sure. And I want, you know, the truth be told, she should have been not so sure because I had no clue. She's like, but now he's pouring into other people. We're seeing what God's doing in him. Listen, only God can do that because I'm an idiot left to my own devices. I will screw this whole thing up. So we have to allow God to transform us but be faithful in the gifts, talents, and, and resources that he has given you. And if he's in it, you can't stop it. Yeah, it's great. You know, and, and that, that reminds me then as you were speaking through what it means to be uh, confident, right? I, I, I love to be surrounded by people who exude confidence. I'm drawn to it like a magnet. Uh, I don't want to be around people who don't want to be at the top of their game. I don't want to do work alongside others that are just going to show up and check in. I want to be around people that take ownership for their excellence. Uh, I've got a phrase that I got to share with you right now, man. It's, it's something that, that I actually really love. And I can't remember if I shared it with you before or not. And it's So here it is. It's based off of this phrase, self-inflicted wounds, right? What if... And I mean, what if we just flip that and we talked about self-inflicted greatness, right? If we can inflict harm on ourselves, then why cannot we inflict excellence and greatness and harness who God's called us to be and to step up and be that leader, to be that man, to be that spouse, to be that parent, to be that business owner, to be that pastor, step into who you were called to be, step out of your comfort zone. And you introduced me a couple of years ago to a phrase, and I, I love to share it. It always gets like, whoa, that's cool. That's deep. I love that. And here it is. It's confidence covered by humility. So talk to me about the origin in your life with that, and, and then maybe we'll have a little more discussion around that. Well, first thing is God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So I, I would never want to live in opposition to God. That's a bad place to be, and that's a bad battle that you, you don't have a chance at that. So, But I want to be confident. There's plenty of places in Scripture that talk about our confidences in God, be strong and courageous, on and on and on. So I look at that, and and, and that's kind of the, the, the tension with 
you know, the pursuit of manliness. This is this alpha male misogynistic, you know, you have to have a beard and have an ax and have a, not at all. I mean, it's better if you do, but no, not at all. You don't have to do it. Can you put cream in your coffee? Why not? Go ahead. Can you take a warm shower? We'll take it. What we want you to do is love Jesus. All right. If you can do that, he'll take care of the details. So we were going to relentlessly love him in that. I'm confident in who I am in him because I am nothing apart from him. I am nothing apart from what Jesus did for me that I understand the spirit that lives inside of me is the same spirit that raised him from the dead. We have the gift of immortality. Who, who shouldn't be confident if you have the gift of immortality? You're essentially indestructible, right? Like there's nothing that can, what's the worst they're going to do to you? You're going to be with Jesus. So you want to be confident in that. You've been given gifts, talents, skills, abilities that are unique to you. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday. He has very strong like one-on-one relationships. I'm a little awkward one-on-one relationships as a natural introvert like that. I'm just not strong in that, in that way. I'm better at some other things. So between the two of us, same way with you, Jim, between the two of us or whoever you network, you realize, Oh, we're, we're better together. You got to get around those people. Then the humility aspect, I need to be humble enough to know this is not me doing this. You know, if it is of me, it will be like a deck of cards. You just flick it or a wind blows through and it, it all collapses. And we've all tried to build the proverbial deck of cards in life to make something that it's only us in it. And when it came crashing down, it just ruined, it ruined us. Now there are a lot of confident jerks out there and I've met people even in ministry, they're uber confident while confidence can be attractive. A jerk never is never. So what we want to do is we want to be genuine and real and authentic. And I know those are catch Those are catch phrases, but I will promise you this, Jim, you're the exact same way because we've been around each other. If you met me in a grocery store today, I'm going to be the exact same way in the grocery store. Right. Like I'm not all of a sudden now going to be this other guy yeah. who, you know, it, the way I'm in a microphone and pulpit, whatever, because that's where you start to gain credibility. And if you're not confident in who you are and humble enough to realize you're only that because God allows it again, before long, you start to believe your own hype or you don't get enough applause. And suddenly internally, you're just shutting down and you're doing the next thing for more likes or more shares or more downloads. And you're chasing something that even when you catch it, you're not going to enjoy it. So we told guys the other day, there's a lot of things in the world that we try to gain, but it's different when you receive them. When I receive something, it's coded in mercy and grace. And because it's a blessing, when I gain something, then I believe the illusion I acquired it by my own gift and a talent. So then when I realize, well, I need to acquire more, it's never going to be enough. So what I receive, I realize, you know what, because I received it, now I'm free to give that away to someone else because I've give, I've received grace and mercy, forgiveness or whatever. I can now model that for somebody else. And so again, confidence and humility, we say it all the time. It's not a catchphrase. Um, there are plenty of people in my life who will have no problem calling me out when it needs to happen. But at the same time, when I'm down in the dumps and I'm just swimming in, you know, humility, like, oh, boy, like I can Eeyore. You know, they pull you out and go, no, come on. It's kind of like a seesaw. You, you need both. But when you're, when you're too much in either one of them, I just feel like you're ineffective. When you're too confident, boy, that, that crash is hard. And when you're too humble, it's really difficult for anyone to ever bring you up at the same time. So I think it's two things that, you, that are they're parallel to one another. You have to pursue them. Um, I'll never act like I haven't figured out because God has constantly given me opportunities to practice them. You know, I, I think there's a, a ratio there and it changes. It's always in flux, right? Of that ratio of how confident I am versus, you know, covering that with humility. Because as you alluded to, if if I am too much of one and not enough of another, it is going to lead to bad things or, or poor things. Not just necessarily bad, but it's not going to be that self-inflicted greatness that I want to see. So, for example, when I'm that brilliant jerk and I'm overconfident and now I'm starting to to step into like the arrogance level, <laughs> I suck, right? And And nobody wants to be around the arrogant person. And likewise, when you get into that, and you described it as Eeyore, right? When you have like overdone the humility thing and you're and it's like dishonoring the greatness that is inside you and by the way let's not forget that greatness didn't come from yourself and it didn't come from the DNA you inherited from your parents it's a gift from God those are the talents that you've been given who are you not to claim them who are you not to fully step into those and so we there's this constant like i feel I think balance is the wrong word, but I think there's this constant ebb and flow to the confidence and the humility thing. And there are times when, when I can be 
you know, kind of in the zone and it's right. And, um, I can, I can lead strong. I can be bold. I can be courageous and yet still have that sense of wonder, uh, still have that sense of I'm not, I'm not there. There's no arrival. Still have that sense that somebody else can give me feedback or coach me up and I sure better listen to them. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I, I, I think that what I have found in my work, that these are two of the five traits that I have identified. And we can talk more about this if you want. You know, two of the five traits that every leader has to possess, confidence, humility, empathy, courage, and drive. Like those are the five, the way that I see it. And you take any one of those out and it really disrupts that, that flow. Like for example, uh, drive is one I added lately. Like it's, it's one that wasn't on my radar. So I was just really focusing on the four, what I would kind of at that time was calling pillars, confidence, courage, humility, empathy. But then I was like, but what about my ability to execute? What about my drive, my ambition? What about when God gives me something that's that, that I feel stirring in my very soul? Am I going to have, again, the courage to act on it or not? I think drive is so important. And you, you know, again, take any one of those out and you're a less of a person. And you and I, like you and I both have talked about somebody that we know that um, has sort of that aw shucks aura to them. It's a man and it is so off-putting. You, you, we've talked about that. So like, let's just, I, I wouldn't mind unpacking that just a little bit more so our listeners understand what we're talking about there. Well, let me say this with the, the confidence and humility aspect. It, it depends on your, you, you need to be, have self-awareness, you know, like you have. Yes, to possess. absolutely. So, so there are certain environments that I walk into and I need to take them over. And I don't mean that arrogantly. Like, Jim, if you were to lose a loved one and you're now been charged with planning a, a funeral service, you're like, I don't do that every day, but I do. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to need three songs. We want seven. We're going to be here for two hours. So we're going to get three songs. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what. So there are times I've walked into hospital rooms and everyone's just sitting around going, I'm like, I'll take it over. That's the confidence that I know what I'm doing here. I, you talk about empathy. I have the empathy of the, of the situation, the circumstance, whatever. Sometimes I need to walk into my home and I need to take over. All right, here's the deal. We're calling time out. Sometimes I need to walk into my home and just shut up. I need to listen. Mm-hmm. I need to gauge what's going on. Or maybe I sit in a room with other leaders or guys that are further down the road and I go, hey, shut up. Just be quiet. Just take notes. Like there is a wealth of knowledge to gain here. So I think it's it's that self-awareness of, you know what? Um I have something to add to the conversation, but boy, I'm also looking to take something away from it. You know, no matter what- let me let me just add real quick, if I could, because the self-awareness is great. And I'm glad you bring that up. But you brought up something earlier, too, that that we have to have. And that is the trusted inner circle around us. Mm-hmm. So when we lack that self-awareness, somebody picks up the phone or takes us by the, you know, like, Hey, come over here. I need a minute with you and calls out the crap that we're doing. And, and because sometimes I can lack it, you can lack it. Anybody might lack it. And that's the, again, just the importance of that. So I just want to throw that back in there. I told my teenage daughter that the other day, she had gotten counsel from someone. It wasn't us, but it was good counsel. It was sound. And I said, I want you to hear this, that in my life, all the good, most effective counsel I've ever received. I didn't like it in the moment rarely was it you're so good and smart and good looking and it was never that it was always like if you stay on this path or if you keep i'm never forget i had i spoke at a school one time and i had these kids fired up and i did whatever and they're walking out and they're high five of me and you know i was, I was the coolest children's pastor in town and i mean i had this k through eight <laughs> lit up teachers saying thank you as they walked by and i had one of our elders at a church who is a godly man and is, is a good friend to this day this was 17 years ago. And as I started to walk out, I said, Hey man, how's it going? You know, I'm thinking, and did you see what you had to be so proud that I am your pastor at your church. And he just kind of gently grabbed my elbow real quick. He said, can I just say something? He's like, here's what you think you did. Here's what you actually did. And I was like, Mm. and I thought you old man, you don't know what you're talking about. Did you not just see what just happened there? They got, they already want me on the calendar for, you know, coming weeks. Well, I had to find out they couldn't get anyone to come. So that's why I was in such demand, but I went to the car and I thought he didn't know what he's talking about. I'll tell you what, I've thanked him for that about three times in life. I were Facebook friends. And I'll go, man, I just want to remind you of that. 
thank you because nobody ever had the courage to tell me this is how I was coming across or this. And that was a defining moment. I'll never forget it. It was, wasn't it? I'm a completely different man from that. And then along the way there have been others because those open the doors, but in the moment you never take it well. And listen, you can take bad counsel. Someone gives you a review and you go, that's a bunch of baloney. I've had reviews like that where I'm like, did, where were you? Where have you been the last 11 months? But you know what? Hey, use it. I, I tell people, make them notice you. Work in such a way, create content in such a way, make them notice you. When I started the pursuit of manliness, nobody cared. I thought they would. Nobody cared. And I'll get hit up with people like, man, how did you decide on the color pattern? How did you, I'll get all these different things, you know, asking questions. I'll give you whatever I got. But it's funny because five years ago, nobody cared. Make them notice you work in such a way it's first Thessalonians chapter 4 11 and 12 I think if we could believe this a little bit more it says that you are to I'm going to summarize it you are to work quietly work with your hands mind your own business become dependent upon nobody so that you will be thought well amongst outsiders if you would mind your business and you would be focused on your team or your environment and stop comparing and stop contrasting and and I'm going to be diligent in my work and I'm going to mind my own affairs, which means I'm not going to badmouth anybody. I'm not going to run down the president and I'm not going to run down the gender. I'm going to speak highly of everyone. And you might perhaps be thought highly of outsiders. They may not even like you, but go, doggone, they get results or they have a good work ethic. And I think that that idea that I have to understand, listen, every day is a new opportunity. And, I, and we, we say, you know, fight one more round. Every, you may you don't want to say fight one more round. Maybe you don't want to do that. But every day you step into a new opportunity, you can phone it in. But here's the deal. You're never going to get that day back. It is non-refundable. The same way Oof. we've bemoaned 2020. Oh, man. Oh, no, no. You'll never get those. And I think in a few years from now, we'll look back and go, I wish I would have took advantage of that time differently. It's, it's, it's finite. It goes right through your hands as quick as you get it. We'll never mm-hmm. get this time back. That is my single biggest fear in life is regret. Like, I don't know how my time will come to an end. No, none of us probably do. There's a very few circumstances when that would ever be known. But here's the thing. I don't, I, I, I like the thing that motivates me and terrifies me at the same time is uh, picturing myself in a deathbed situation regretting the moments that I wasted, regretting the chances I didn't take, regretting the things that I didn't say. And I, I got to be honest, man, that, that, um, that, that is a driver for me. And there are things that, that happen in life, you know, where we get fear and fear can paralyze or fear can, you know, power you through something. Um, brother, that, that is something that really scares me. Um, you said something to you. I think the verse you referred to, correct me if I'm wrong and I'll edit it later, but was it First Thessalonians 4.11, right? The one you just 11 talked about? And, 11 and 12. And Paul is telling them, just as I've commanded you, you know, work with your hands, mind your own affairs, be dependent upon nobody. Now, we just went through, a, well, I don't know if we went through it, but we had a pandemic and we're still in it. Or who knows? We're part five, whatever. But you went to the grocery store and you could get no toilet paper. What did you do? Yeah. You went somewhere else. You called your friends. Suddenly you're dependent upon people. It's not that I try to, you know, become this lone wolf where I don't need anybody and I don't need, you know, you, know, you, you need people, but you need to not use people. And so when you become dependent upon a government structure, a program or whatever to whatever, whether it's provide you happiness or resources, that is now your glass ceiling. That's as far as you're willing to go. When you become dependent upon people and you're saying, well, they're going to send me a check or they're going to do whatever. No, work with your hand. We live in the time where talk about capitalism is available to you. You could go on Facebook and grab all the free junk, turn around and sell it for two bucks. You just made yourself $2. I mean, you could literally, it's, it's as much effort as you're willing to exert. We should never, ever go hungry because you go on Craigslist and go, that thing's, that thing's beat down. I'm going to sell it as an antique five bucks. You can have an antique. You can have an eBay store. You can, you know, you can go to Goodwill and buy all their dollar stuff, 50 cent stuff and turn around and, you know, it, it comes down to what you're willing to do. Are you willing to exert the effort or are you becoming dependent upon someone else? And, and that's what I did for a lot of years. I wasn't, I was, but I wasn't, I was dependent upon people from as far as providing me a check, the culture would be, you know, I was just at the mercy of their culture, whatever. Um, when I was building these teams and stuff and it was good, but I was absorbing the culture. I wasn't building the culture. 
If anything, I took away from it because I was just consuming the culture. So if things went bad, I blame the top. It must be that, it must be that person, you know? And the reality is I had to learn, you know what, you can only, there are only so many things you can do. If you're, if you're the custodian, there's only so much you can do. You can't get to the CEO, but doggone it, you can have the cleanest floors. You can have the best, whatever. You can have a smile on your face. You can show up 10 minutes early and you can stay 10 minutes longer and you can pray for the people or you can, there are things you can do. And so when you become dependent upon people for your joy or from your whatever, suddenly that's your glass ceiling. And the last part was to be thought well of by outsiders. Not everybody's going to like you and that's going to be okay. Not everyone likes me. Not everyone likes That's tough for some people to hear though, right? If you're a people pleaser, if you're wired and you've got- That's exhausting. I, It's, oh my goodness, not, it's exhausting. And from what I've been able to determine, it's a source of pride, which is one of the sins, right? Well, (laughs) can I say this? If, if everybody likes you and you are a people pleaser, and if you're honest with yourself, you don't like yourself because you know that all shucks idea, right? That's that's bull crap because we know all shucks isn't what's behind the curtain. You know, the great wizard of Oz, suddenly it's this little man making all this noise and it looks like this. Here's the truth. When you lay in bed at night and you're all by yourself, there is no more curtain. You know who you are. I don't go around trying to be a jerk to anybody. I don't, but I've said it plenty of times. Oh, you, there'll be things I say and do. You won't like me. I'm going to be okay with that. I want to make sure at least it's done for the right reasons. I don't want to be a jerk to you just because I'm selfish and self-centered and no, but if it's for the right reasons, I'm going to have to be okay with that because here's the thing that's hard to believe. There's people that don't like you too. So sometimes we like to ghost people, cancel people, ignore people. There's people that don't like them either, right? But they don't, it's okay to not like, well, listen, if you and I disagree on something, Jim, we're not automatically enemies. You're not, I, I don't have to go into the break room and start running you down because you didn't agree with my idea or because you- I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. Like that's the culture we're into, right? We we have lost yeah, friendships. Yeah, how's that going I've for lo- us? Yeah, it's not good, buddy. <laughs> You're so right. And, and I, I know that you can see the sarcasm. I want people to know that because you're you're hitting on something that- that's when you're not leading through values. If if we have lost our way to the point where you and I disagree on something and we're so dug in, first of all, we don't have our priorities in line. Second of all, when we have allowed a disagreement to like, so now if you disagree with me, I hate you like that. Where is that? Again, it's because we have lost our way. We have lost a connection with God, or maybe we didn't know it at all. But when, when we lose our place, this is what I was saying earlier is when I lose my place in that, I'm not very good. When I remember my place in that, I'm much better. And I always have to continue to work to that. That's, and you know, you drop first Thessalonians. Well, the companion verse to me in my, in my way of I'm interpreting that is one of the first verses that I really latched onto, which is Colossians 3.23. Work as Mm -hmm. though you're working for the Lord, not for men. Mm -hmm. Because men, like God sees everything. Some men don't see everything, right? I can I can skate by, you know, at work. I can hide in the on the corner. I can shuffle some papers and move around swiftly through the office, look really busy and productive, probably get a promotion as a result. But I didn't do anything that really moved the needle. There are people that go through life doing that. Listen. I'm going to admit right here on my own podcast that I have done that before. I don't think there's anybody who who is listening that could say, you know, I've never really done that. But here's the thing. God didn't miss a darn thing. He saw every moment. He knew every thought. He, he saw the intent in that. That also is one of those things that scares me and motivates me. You know, it's just it's just like you can't escape that. Well, I, I'd say, you know, we say in our home a lot, you know, like don't take it or make it personal. Okay, so you, you said something or you did something. I read your Facebook post. I read whatever. Don't take it personal. Don't And don't make it personal. So when you get the opportunity to make something about you, don't. It's easier that way. And when I have emotionally removed myself from your Facebook post, which is what seemingly is firing up so many people today, which yeah. is so bizarre. Like, come on, we're better than that, aren't we? Maybe not. But when that happens, don't take it or make it personal. You know, you can snooze them or unfollow them or whatever and still be friends with them and not break fellowship and you can pray for them and they, they won't agree with you or just, so what? So if we're honest with ourselves, we have done what you just said. I remember standing at a copier looking like I'm just crushing it, printing off resumes. Like I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm not staying at this place. I'm done. They're like, man, I don't know what he's doing today. No, he's 
he's planting, he's printing resume, right? Like yeah. that, we've all been those people and it's wrong. But here's what I have found for all the attitudes and behaviors and whatever's I've kind of exhibited when I was children's pastor, youth pastor, associate, whatever. It's amazing how that kind of comes around when you get to the, now I'm in a position where I sit in the number one chair. Oh, it's a lonely chair to sit in, right? Yes, it is. And the view is completely different. And it's not always what you think it is. So I know you know everything about your boss. And I know as a boss, you know everything about your employees. It's, you know, you just do, but you don't. You don't know what you don't know. And even within my own home or within my own sphere of influence, there are blind spots. So getting yourself with the right people with the right to tell you the truth. Jim, you and I have both told each other the truth. That was not always flattering over the course of the last, what, three, four years, whatever. Uh, you've, I remember you calling me up one time and going, is that really what you want to put out? Is that the feeling you want from that particular... It was a blog post. And I thought, yeah, I remember I, that. I, I might need to marinate on that. So I drove home going, I think I'm going to delete it because you're right. I don't want to put that out. You have to have those people that you know that they're for you and they're with you. And so when they say something that you perceive as against you or an attack, you're like, no, the track record of this individual is they're for me and they're with me. Those are hard people to find. But when you find them, value them, listen to them, trust them. God has, God speaks to them too. So when he's speaking to them, it may be something you need to hear. I'll never forget my wife trying to tell me this verse for about three days. I'm throwing a man fit in our house. I'm just mad. I'm this and that. Jared, I think you ought to read Psalm. Whatever. I don't, she told me about the third day. I looked at her like, you've got to be kidding me, woman. You're going to tell me that verse one more time. So finally, she's like, I had enough of this guy. She takes the kids and they go to her mom's house to visit for a minute. And I open up the Bible and I turn to Psalm. When you know it, what do you think I read? It's as if God said, I've been trying to get that in your ears for three days. And why did you have to do it in such a difficult manner? Man, there's where the humility comes in. God speaks to other people. And you know what? You're not always right. You're not always right. I am wrong so many times. I have developed a a taste for humble pie. I am wrong so often that, you know, I need those people that, again, they're for me and they're with me. And I think that comes through, again, that, that developing some self-awareness and not making everything personal. So, so with all of that in mind, Jared, as we kind of wind down here, um, to me, you know, I think of everything, I take it all back to leading through values. Um, I know that resonates for you. I know that resonates to listeners. But, you know, when I'm talking with you, so here's a couple of my big takeaways on this is, Anytime that we revisit that conversation about confidence and humility, mm-hmm. I just realize how absolutely vital it is that we get that right or that we're working to get it right. And the only way that I've ever gotten it right is to remember well, my place, like whose I am, not who I am. You know, that that to me um, always reminds me how to how to balance that stuff out. What's some of the takeaways for you? Like what what do you want listeners to to know i think you know i go back to what i said in the beginning you know genesis 1 where it talks about god created them and he blessed them and then he gives them this commandment of you know be fruitful multiply it go on and on that you need to realize you know you're creating god's image there's nobody that's more for you and loves you like god does and i think sometimes you know there's a lot of people who've never had people tell them hey i'm proud of you or hey you i notice you or hey you know god does and i and that's not some kind of sunny school answer you know pie in the sky you know unicorns and you know, cotton candy conversation. I mean, that's, that's real. I mean, he, he's, he's imploring us. He's put people in our life to help us understand him better. So I need to understand I, I've been created. I've been blessed. I mean, what a blessing, you know, mercy and grace and forgiveness and, and gifts and talents and abilities and people and resources. And yeah, it may not look like what you want it to look like right now, but give yourself some grace. It's going to, it's going to take time. And when we do things God's way, it always seems like it goes a little bit better. Now that's contradictory oftentimes to our way. Cause we get an idea that it must be this way or my former boss always did it this way. So I either love it or I hate it. So if I loved it, I'm going to implement everything my former boss and my former culture did. Or if I hate it, I'm going to do the, the opposite. And that's exhausting. So yeah. you got to give yourself some grace. You're, you know, give your people some grace. If you're coming in and I remember, you know, like I've used some things like a six by six, or I've used things about volunteer structures and things. And when you, when you throw this out for the first time and you're, in, you're passionate about it and you're all about it, it is like drinking from the fire hydrant. It's not that, it, you know, we have to decide, is it a can't do or won't do? In the beginning, it's a can't do. They can't do this. They're, they're, they're drinking from this for the first time. Over time, as you implement this and you walk people through it, then you realize it's, 
Maybe it's a won't do. Well, that's a team issue there. That's something totally different. So I think what are some great takeaways is understanding I have gifts, I have talents, but I don't have them all. So I need to get around other people that do have some of them. What I do have, I'm going to use them to the best of my ability. What I do from, let's say, Monday through Friday is not my purpose in life. My purpose in life is far greater than that. That might be my paycheck, but I'm going to give them maximum effort. But the most important relationships in my life are in my house. So if you're single, you need to have a community of people that, that will pour into you life-giving relationships. If you're married, that's the most important relationship in your life. When you get your marriage right, it's amazing how many other things fall into line. When you get your children right, even better, grandchildren, et cetera. So I think it starts with give yourself grace, but also taking that introspective look and looking at what am I doing with what I've been given? And what I realized was, oh, I'm wasting a lot of time. I have wasted time. I can't get that back. And neither can I run a ridiculous sprint to the age of 75. I can't do that. But I, what I can do is make sure I'm maximizing the time I've been given. And, and again, you got to map that out. Your day is different than my day, you know, but at the same time, um, I want to get full usage out of that. So it means I'm going to read some books. I'm going to, you know, listen to some podcasts. I'm going to attend a conference. I'm going to befriend people. I'm getting on Zoom calls, whatever. But the key, just start. <laughs> just start. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till you get up. Just start. And um, we talk about win the day. You know, that's what the Oregon Ducks used to say. But if yeah. you would take that mindset of win this day, that I'm going to crush it. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to give it all I got. And when I come home, I'm going to crush it. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to give it all I got in both those places. I'm guaranteeing you'll be too exhausted to get into any kind of sin or debauchery. You'll go straight to bed. You'll fall asleep. You know, you'll find yourself doing a lot less things that you shouldn't do when you're giving your time to what you should do. You know, when you say win the day, that resonates for me. And yet sometimes that's not adequate enough for me because I have a brain that fires a lot. It's, it's going a lot of directions. Uh, you and I've talked about that. And sometimes I think it's win the hour, you know, like I'm working on something right now and there's a temptation. Like if I hit a little bit of a struggle or if I hit a little bit of a question, I don't know how to get through this. And I look at, and I notice my phone had a something, you know, the screen flashed something, maybe an email came in. It's so tempting, so easy to go grab it and look at it. And those distractions come in. And um, so I'm learning. I'm learning how to win the hour. Um, because when I can win an hour and I can stack two or three of those up in a day, there are days that I probably don't win an hour. And I'm self-employed. That means I'm on 100% commission. Therefore, if I don't win a couple of hours a day, my bank account and my wife are going to start asking me questions, mm -hmm. and, you know, and we've been there. We've been there. And so now it's, it's that constant, constantly looking for, um, we, you know, the next thing, like we, I can't take my foot off the gas. And, and I think, yeah, I, I like how you said it. It's like, you're not trying to, to sprint this marathon, but you also have to continue to run so and just do. Well, I, I get to talk to a lot of guys across the country in a lot of different scenarios, and I'll tell them a couple things. The first one would be do the next right thing. Okay, you blew you it go. this week. Your whole week is in the toilet. You yelled at your wife. You're crappy to your kids. You stink at work. What's the next thing? Well, the next thing is I'm pulling into my driveway. Get that right, okay? <laughs> I mean, put the car in park. But when you go in, give your wife a hug. Tell her you love her. Tell her you're sorry. Do the next right thing. And the other thing I tell people, because we, we have this guilt, you know, well, we just people have guilt all the time. And I'd say mm. the first five, last five. So for me, I don't get up well in the morning. Like I'm not the guy that gets up at 4.30 in the morning, Jocko willing can take a picture of my watch. If I did that, something went terribly wrong. So I'm getting up and I'm, str I'm struggling. But what I need to do is get the first five minutes right. And so for us as a family, I want to I make sure the first five minutes are as good as possible. And I want to get the last five minutes right. So putting kids to bed, ending your day. I can't do, you know, a lot of the things in between. I'm at the mercy of, you know, technology. I'm at the mercy of weather. I'm at the mercy of all these other things. But there are, elements, there are times in my day I can do something about it. So I say, okay, when you first get home, first five minutes, man, be right in the kitchen, wherever the hub is of your house. That's what I have to do. I want to go change. I want to drop my stuff off. I want to check email. I want to, nope, I'm going to stand in the kitchen. And I want to make sure I have uh, four of the people in my house. I'm going to make sure I at least see and say hi to four other people. Oh, man, there's things I want to do. 
they're more important. At the end of the day, they're more important. You talk about being on your deathbed. I'm hoping they're there, not my phone. I want them to be there. And so the first five minutes, the last five minutes, I got to end the night well. My son is the first one to go to bed. So I got to get that five minutes right. It's not long. It's not exhausting. I want to make sure I get that right. And again, you get start getting those bookends right and you get that mindset. I'm just going to do the next right thing. It's amazing how many times you will start winning an hour or a conversation or your prayer time or your personal worship time or that staff meeting or whatever. You just do the next right thing. It's fantastic. Dude, that's first five, last five, and the next right thing. That's a <laughs> great place to like wind this down. That's There's a lot of wisdom right there. Jarrett, um, you have a, a closed group that is available to men called Tribe. And mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, you are still looking for people to, to participate in the, in an upcoming session. Could you tell us a little bit about tribe and then also uh, remind our listeners how they can get in contact with you? Where, where can they find you and listen to your podcast? Well, first of all, it's the pursuit of manliness.com. Any logos created, anything like that. Jim Mayhew is my guy for that. Um, <laughs> but little plug the, um, so that's the website. We have a thing called tribe. What I realized was it's easy to put a lot of content out. And I can make images and I can make audio and I can record podcasts all day long here. I can do all this. I love this stuff. But what I needed to do was I needed to be very vigilant and diligent about investing in other guys. So I started a thing three years ago called Tribe. And I think we had 10 guys and within the first two weeks, six of them quit. I thought this ain't going well. So three or four stayed on, you know, and then we just every year, every session, it's a six month session. It's $150. You get some skin in the game. That's 25 bucks a month. That's a trip to Arby's. You're cutting out some roast beef. And so these guys commit to this. We've had guys all over the world be a part of Tribe. I think we have almost 250 registrations in the last three years of guys doing this. And uh, the last session, we had 57 men. This isn't like, oh, look at what, no, we had 57 men. The reason why I say that is because there are people who want to get this right. There are people who are looking to grow. And people say, well, $150 for a Bible study. Oh, it's not a Bible study. It's so much more. It is literally a community of men. There's Zoom calls, there's challenge videos, all this stuff. But what's so cool from it, these guys are developing real, authentic relationships. And they live in multiple time zones. Some of them are meeting up with one another, but over time, it's, it's like anything in life. If you invest and engage, you will grow. And the best thing that's coming from tribe right now is the wives are giving us feedback. And that has been like, that just started happening where wives, uh, I've had three, four messages right now of wives are like, this is what tribe is doing in my husband's life. And I'm like, that's why we do this. It's not about building a brand. It's not about creating, you know, whatever. It's about this woman, this home. They have a different guy now. They have a different man. And so twice a year, we open up registration. Registration right now is open until November 21st. Um, then it's done. And then it won't open up again until next um, April or May. We, we do it June 1st to the end of November. We do it December 1st till the end of May. Go to face earth, the pursuit of manliness.com forward slash tribe. And you can find out all kinds of details and information about it. Well, thank you, man. That's um, it's been a real honor it's always, again, my cup's overflowing, right? It's always that kind of uh, conversation when I meet with you. I feel good. I feel lifted up. I feel inspired, motivated. And uh, I just want to thank you for coming on to the podcast today. And um, I wish you all the best. Thanks, man. It is easy to root for a guy like yourself, man. You're real. You're genuine. And uh, it's one of the things I, I want to hit on this as we're wrapping this up. You know, you and I can walk into a room and say the exact same message and we will resonate with different people. And that's okay, but we're on the same team. And that's the beauty of building teams and environments that you resonate with people that I won't reach and vice versa. There is some cross pollinating, but God has wired us all differently for his, for his glory. And when he gets all the glory and we stop trying to steal it, amazing things can happen. Amen. Wait, great way to end. All right, Jared, thank you again. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, man.